and welcome back to another exciting episode of Catch Ups in My Kitchen with me, Georgia Simmons, founder of Greedy Vegan and host of the podcast. This week we are joined by Angus Warburton, fitness coach, podcast host and author, as well as coming from the Warburton family, which is a huge household name. So I wanted to talk to Angus about his journey to growing his fitness career, but also about whether he felt pressure to go into the family business, which has been in the family for five generations. But this conversation really took a turn because we also had an amazing conversation about persistence, achieving goals, becoming the person you want to be, university, is it for everyone, sleep... We spoke about a lot and it really is a valuable and interesting episode that I think you're going to love. So please enjoy and of course have a lovely rest of your day. Angus, thank you so much for coming on. It's really great to have you here. So how are you? I'm great and it's lovely that it's the sun is shining in London. I know, it makes a change. So do you mind giving us a real quick elevator pitch on like who you are, what you do? So I'm Angus Walton, I'm a personal trainer, I'm an online fitness coach, I'm an author, and I'm a podcast host. Amazing, I love it, there's a lot to dig into here. So before we start, we have a quick fire round about all things food. So sweet or savoury? Savoury. Juicy burger or overloaded salad? Burger. Crisps or popcorn? Popcorn. Ice cream or sorbet? Ice cream. Cook in or eat out? Eat out. And what's your favourite delivery? Five guys. Good one. That was quick as well. Good one. Okay, so I kind of want to start like right at the beginning with your family and upbringing and childhood. So what was it like growing up? What were you like growing up? And also the family that you're in, Warburton family, obviously is a big household name. What was it like kind of growing up in your family? So growing up, I was always a very confident kid. Uh, Always enjoyed being outside, playing sport. Uh, and then through my school career, let's call it school path, I then, uh, kind of probably lost my way a little bit. I think a bit of arrogance, a bit of naivety, uh, a bit of just being a teenager and, uh, uh, 16, I was politely asked to leave my school after my GCSEs, which at the time really was difficult to deal with. Uh, and then moved for sixth form and found my kind of passion in fitness. So going to the gym there, went through a kind of, I guess at the time, quite toxic breakup. And then the gym very much became a crutch. And then from there, did kind of a Eurocent in the gym, went to Australia and ended up deciding I wanted to do a personal training course. Uh, and then here we are five years later. Amazing. Why are you asked to leave at 16? Everything under the sun. <laughs> really? um, having too much fun, not taking school seriously. And yeah, my results weren't very good either. So okay. sadly. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So obviously you've taken the fitness path, but did you ever feel a pressure to, that you had to maybe kind of go into the family business? Was that ever something that you felt growing up? So naturally, Dad's always encouraged us to go off and do our own thing. Uh, he's never put pressure on us to go into the family business. Of course, it's an opportunity that you know maybe one day I might take, but at the moment, I'm very much focusing on what I'm trying to achieve mm. in the career path that I'm on. 
No, definitely. I think that's really good as well because I feel like if there was ever pressure there, it would have made you go further away from what you wanted to do. And now because it's been an option for you and you can choose, you could have got a much more positive, I don't know, feeling towards if you ever wanted to go into that or if you wanted to stick to what you, yeah, you've got the option there, which I think is really nice. So you kind of chose fitness as your path and do you think kind of like the toxic breakup was a massive, massive kind of lead to that? Yeah, massively so. I think after, you know, like every young lad that starts in the gym, you're so aesthetically driven and all you want to do is look a certain way. Quote on quote, Angus Walton, when he was 17 years old, it was, I want to get ripped for Australia because I was going to Australia six months, which it worked, I would say. Yeah. Uh, but no, um, I think I indirectly realised how much of an impact going to the gym had on me and how happy it made me feel. And I wanted other people to reap the rewards of fitness that I have. Definitely. And I kind of looked onto your page and you kind of mentioned how like it has massive lifestyle benefits, both physically and mentally. Can you kind of explain a bit about like how a like structured fitness routine and plan can have an effect on your life physically and mentally? Well, I think for many people who live stressful lives and have busy career lives and family lives, whatever it might be, it can always be that light. Mm. And I think fitness for a lot of people is very much a burden on them. When actually, when you get into a routine and you progress with your training, it can always be that thing that has a positive impact on your body, has a positive impact on your mental health, regardless of how the rest of your life's going. Mm. So you can spend an hour every single day. It doesn't have to be every single day, but if you want to, bettering yourself physically, bettering yourself mentally, and put everything to one side. Yeah. And people always ask me, you know, why do you go to the gym every day? Why do you exercise every day? For an hour a day. And I said, because I know how much of a dramatic impact that hour of exercise has on the other 23. Yeah, it's so true. I feel like also when you start, you, I mean, for some people when you start, you kind of can't stop because you can see and feel like the massive benefits having to your life. And so when you decided to go down the fitness path, how did you go about starting it? Because ultimately you're there like, okay, I want to be a trainer. Like, that's a great idea. Then what? Yeah, so I emailed my cousin who lives in Southwest London and I said, look, whilst I'm starting up, can I come and live with you effectively? They had a spare room. Uh, and can I email all your mates? So I emailed, I think about 30 of her friends and 12 of them, I think it was 12, 12 of them agreed to do a personal training session with. Five of them stayed on after a free session. Uh, and then from there, it just had that knock on effect of, getting people to say good things and word of mouth just spread and spread and spread. Mm. I feel like persistence is a huge thing here because like you've got an incredible platform now, but like that takes time and persistence. And how do you do that? Like how do you grow that and be persistent? And like, how have you found that? Do you know what? I wish I could give the 100% direct answer to that because there are many ways you can build discipline, but it is, you know, persistence. It is as simple as just doing things when you don't want to do them. Mm. And there are so many days, I'm sure like yourself, where you wake up and go, not today. But you know how good you feel after you've done them. Mm. 
And it's like before a workout, if I don't want to train, I have such a, a vivid feeling of how I'm going to feel after it, that it'll just make me do it. Yeah. And I think a lot of people like I did, you get to the stage in your life where you go, come on, turn around, let's go. And I, I clearly remember the moment I looked myself in the mirror and I don't know if I can swear on this podcast, okay. but I just looked at myself in the mirror and said, what the fuck are you doing? Mm. Uh, and suddenly I, I kind of was hit with this feeling of embarrassment with the way I've been behaving and slowly but surely that just had an impact on my whole life and day by day I've kind of just chipped away and got to where I have today mm, so good I feel like when you know how you don't want to feel it motivates you to make sure you feel the opposite and like I mean I still look in the mirror and think what the fuck are you doing all the time but that's for different reasons like I feel like maybe similar to you some days you're just like oh my god like what the fuck am I doing like this is taking so long or like I think it's really easy to kind of be really insular and like when you're especially working on something of your own like put that pressure on yourself so much you're like oh my god what the fuck am I doing but I think you know you know where you want to go ultimately and like that kind of vision and goal like gets you kind of gets you there mm. and you're naturally so harsh on yourself because it's you and you mm. you know when you're building your own business uh but i think people need to give themselves more credit mm. and that's where social media hasn't helped is sadly we're looking at everyone's perfect day and if you, i have a week where i don't make as many sales or i lose a couple of clients whatever it might be I look at the next online fitness coach who's driving around is in, in his Audi R8 and go, oh, well, I really like that car. Oh, I'm not doing good enough. When actually at the end of the day, he could have rented that Audi. He could be having a rubbish day. He might not have close relationship with his family. He might have rubbish friends. He might not have a good relationship. People have got to stop looking at individuals who they worship online thinking, oh, they have the most amazing life. You don't know anything about them. Mm. And Instagram's so easy to portray this, as I said, perfect day. Definitely, it's so true. Kind of leads me on to a bit of like balance. I feel like you're really good at shining balance on fitness because ultimately some people might look at a trainer and be like, oh, it's all like health and fitness, like there's no play. But like you're very much, you make it quite real. Is that quite an important part of like who you are? Like you try and make it like, work hard, play hard type attitude. Massively so. And I, I always say to clients that are desperate to lose that last bit of body fat. You know, that, you know everyone does it. They look in the mirror and they go, oh, I'd love to lose that. I always say that's your life. That's weekends away with the other half. That's quality time spent with the family. That's, you know, weekend away with the lads, whatever it might be. Those moments which are irreplaceable and will be ingrained in your memories those are the moments that that last bit of body fat is. And to me, that's far more important than looking a certain way. Because those people close to you, all they care about is if you're happy and healthy. They couldn't care if I was another 5% lower body fat. The only person who cares is me. Mm. It's so true. And it's also like so important to have something that's like sustainable. Like if you got rid of that, that's not sustainable because you'll always go back to that. And I think... Also, genetics is a massive thing. I was actually having a conversation with a friend yesterday and she's like trying to lose weight at the moment was like telling me all these things. And I was just like, you know, we all are built so differently. Like you may compare yourself to someone, but you're never going to look 
like that. And I've had a girl on the podcast here before and she's a trainer and she does a lot of um, like spin classes and she coaches and stuff. And she's like, I don't look like a trainer. And I think that's a really hard thing because like you might just not have that physique. Like you might not be able to get in that shape because you just don't have the genes for it. And like you're just not built in that way. So do you find that? And is that something that you have to try and explain to people quite a lot of the time? Yeah, definitely. So I actually, funnily enough, uh, did a podcast with Paddy yesterday and we spoke about steroids in the industry and actually how common they are, particularly in the male side of the industry. You know, I can't comment on the female side too much because I don't know too much about it. But I, so let's go back four years, got very close to popping on a cycle of steroids. Didn't do it, but I was close. The reason being is I thought I had to look a certain way to build my business. I then, this guy then said this, uh, comment about two things if you go on steroids your insecurities get enhanced so if you're insecure about your legs whatever it might be and they look better you then become more insecure because you're like I'm on steroids they should look even better and I have to keep this up people know I'm on steroids and they'll be go wait you're on steroids and that's still what you look like um, but also I think on top of that sorry going back to the initial question there the initial question was like genes and like do people come to you and say oh, I want to look like this but ultimately like their body will never look like that yeah and that's absolutely fine but the thing you need to focus on is being a good coach mm. you know your clients of course you have to set the standard to a point so you have to show that you're exercising you show that you're training and showing show you do the things that you preach but you don't have to be you know 5% body fat you know shoulders as big as Arnie's, that's ridiculous. Because more often than not, that's not attainable to people. Mm. Uh, And again, that's going back to the social media point, that's where it's been a negative impact is we look at the top 0.01% of people and feel like we should look like that when it's ridiculous. If you go back 50 years, you go into your local village and all the people there and you go, yeah, I'm in pretty good nick. Mm. Yeah, so true. It's so true. It's like... Yeah, like going back 20, 25, 30 years, we were just comparing ourselves to like our family, our friends. And like everyone does look very different online. Like I'm sure everyone listening has met someone that they've looked at online and been like, oh, like, you know, it's very easy to kind of portray different things online when like real life, you can't really hide away from that. So I think Instagram is really, really, we're not, yeah, we're comparing ourselves to the best. And that's really tough. So, can fitness uh, become a bit obsessive? Yes. Have you ever got in like an obsessive routine or been obsessive with the way you train, look? Yes. And I think every single personal trainer or every single person that gets into a fitness routine will go through it. Mm. It's unfortunate because I got out of it quite quick and a lot of people don't. And when people do go down the real rabbit hole of developing an eating disorder or a steroid addiction, whatever it might be, it's, I'm sure, an incredibly dark place. The part that I touched on was as simple as, as I said, trying to look a certain way to grow my business and sacrificing social events. So it's never that extreme, but I still made sacrifices maybe that I needed to make at the time because it helped build my business, it helped keep me focused but I would never make again. Mm. Interesting. I also feel like with girls, like eating disorders 
are quite commonly thrown around and like girls may want to like lose weight and be like try and like be in a calorie deficit to the extreme I feel like eating disorders with guys are really easily hidden and I feel like guys can actually have an unhealthy relationship with food and fitness but like to the eye you might not see it have you kind of seen or in the industry or like seen situations where it's quite easy for guys to have an unhealthy relationship with it might not even be food it might just be like their appearance and obsessively kind of training yeah it's the casualness of it as well mm. I think on the girl side of things it's highlighted a bit more which is a good thing it's mm. spoken about and then I think it's great when girls post about their recoveries I think that's incredibly useful and then when girls talk about how important it is to focus on training for performance and how your body moves I think that's an amazing movement I think with guys it's almost as I you know people don't know too much about it but I've worked in this industry for over five years now it's the casualness of yeah yeah I'll hop on some steroids like it screws you up like the mental implications and the withdrawal symptoms after it because if you imagine with steroids for example if you were training you know for five years naturally whatever it is and then you hop on a cycle and you do it once you're going to be on you're going to want to stay on it for life because you're given this drug that pushes you this extra 30 40 50 percent whatever it might be at the time and then you come off it and then you go back to training naturally and you go oh i can't train as hard as I could so then you're constantly going back for more and mm. that's why um, I think in the male side of things you could argue that I guess it is an eating disorder because you are so fixed on looking a certain way but also having an excess amount of muscle mm. and it's so easy right it's just viewed in a different way because maybe it's more aesthetically pleasing to the public right? mm. Mm. but it's so like oh, it's fine, I'll just take steroids and, like, I'll just do that for a bit and then I'll be great and then, like, all my problems are solved. But, like, that's just not the case. And I'm guessing it's, like, a vicious cycle. So when you, you like... I guess it's kind of like going on a strict diet for, like, 10 days. Like, you might get to your goal and then you get off it and then you're, like, right, I'm back to normal now. So on this topic of, like, food and diet, what's your diet like and how important is diet to fitness? Obviously, they're really intrinsically linked, but, like, can you touch on your diet personally? So on a personal level, I keep it as simple as I aim for 200 grams of protein per day. And that sounds super basic, but I feel physique-wise, I look a way that I'm very happy with and I sustain all year round. And then in terms of my goals on my fitness journey, I just want to get stronger, fitter, but I'm more bothered about the mental implications it has on me daily, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, but that's, you know, I always say to guys who want to build muscle, two grams of protein per kilo of body weight. If you're following a structured training program alongside that, you're, you're onto a good one. Because as soon as you start, okay, admittedly, I'm going to Ibiza for two weeks in eight weeks, right? So I drop my calorie intake a little bit. But I do that not from counting calories anymore. I'll just be like, I'll have a bagel less in the morning. Like really simple stuff. Yeah rather than being okay I'm going to limit myself to 2,800 calories a day because of the fact that I just don't feel like I need to anymore nor do I want to and realistically as well as a as a natural lifter you do you get you do get to a stage where your physique kind of hits a point and then other people aren't going to notice the progress the only person who really is is you 
so actually you're better just accepting it relaxing with the way you look and just enjoying the fitness journey that you're on definitely so you said you don't count calories have you ever been a tracker count calories yeah I mean I'm fortunate because when I did track calories I never really got obsessive over it it does work don't get me wrong but you're far better getting into the mindset as quickly as possible okay what is the optimal amount of calories I can have in a calorie deficit that will allow me to perform like a champion and that's what I always say and that's a mistake from a physique point uh, I've had clients make because what they'll do let's take a girl for example and she you know the average for maintenance is about 2,000 calories right she's far better shooting towards 1700 1800 a day and performing well than thinking going down to 1200 because if you're not putting on a bit of muscle and you're not getting stronger that like aesthetic goal that you have and as we said people have at the start so if they want to go for it they've kind of got to work that out themselves that flipping that mindset over time has got to happen they're far better upping those calories having more fuel in the body so they can perform well mm. and then they'll actually get the results they want there's this idea if they drop the calories more extreme they'll be able to kind of maintain that muscle mass and get that you know that tone look i hate the t word because <laughs> yeah. it doesn't actually exist but that tone look uh then actually having a higher calorie intake so they perform well in the gym is essential yeah interesting and plant-based have you what's your view on it personally so like anything that's you know i guess a trend is not is not that it's a trend sorry it's the wrong word no i guess it has been though but it like has, people yeah. would look at it as a trend uh i don't think it's a bad movement i don't have strong you know feelings on it to be honest you know like yourself if you want to be vegan be vegan i think i don't want it shoved down my throat no uh and what i like about your stance on it is you even said i don't think everyone should be vegan which i think is a very refreshing stance to have because there are lots of vegans i talk to where you can feel a bit guilty for the diet that you have mm. because i'm not on the extreme side the other way saying you have to eat meat yeah it's so strange like people apologize to me all the time i'm like why are you sorry like it's so strange it's oh sorry like I'm, I'm not vegan it's like I'm not gonna say oh sorry I'm vegan like it's just you are what you are I think I don't know veganism has been made to be so like black and white and so like are you aren't you and like I'm not there yet and like that doesn't matter like you cut back where you can and you know foods for enjoying and like but I do think cutting back is important in some areas whether that's you cut out dairy in your coffee or whether that's you just have one plant-based meal a day or a week whatever it is for you but like not everyone has to be vegan like that's mental if the whole world went vegan that would also be a disaster hey guys just a quick note on greedy vegan we are here to make cutting back easier more enjoyable and also delicious so if you are looking for a solution which makes finding delicious products more convenient without committing to a full plant-based diet every single day then please check out greedy vegan at www.greedyvegan.uk i mean naturally on a i guess a perfect diet up to 80 percent of your diet is plant-based should be plant-based so potatoes veg whatever it is the other 20% in my diet is, you know, of course, the things like your meats, your, you know, your fish, your dairy. Um, and that's kind of how it should be. Mm. If you're personally for optimal health. Yeah. Have you cut back on anything? Have you swapped anything? Or do you work best kind of eating 
just balance quality product right that's something that's definitely opened my eyes a lot more in the kind of stuff I've obviously seen online videos I've seen online you know take McDonald's for example uh, or any kind of KFC or whoever it is the way some of the products are made does really put you off it yeah and for me the term free range even when it comes to eggs that's something that I'd prefer to invest a little bit more in mm. because I actually know how those chickens are treated yeah yeah no definitely I I agree and I feel like one good thing with social media I know we've spoken about social media quite a bit is like we are beginning to see like behind the scenes of every element in life whether it's like although I hate this what I eat in a day but like people's daily <clears throat> what they eat people's daily routines and also like how things are treated like what big corporations are doing like and that kind of thing is is really important sleep I want to talk a bit about how important is sleep to like your fitness and your body I guess it's everything I am a bit of a grumpy git I'd say in what <laughs> if way if I don't get my 8 hours sleep um, I don't know if that's a generational thing in terms of like how I feel I don't know about what your stance is on your sleep but for me my performance with how I work with how I train it's generally down to my, the quality of sleep that I get I've always been very fortunate I've always slept like a baby my whole life but I think in terms of the impact it has on your performance in the gym from someone who goes to the gym every day it's far more clear how bad of an effect bad sleep's having on you mm. and it just helps you know for, for lads who are listening to this testosterone levels huge thing muscle recovery so your muscles aren't going to grow as big basically that's um and you know it's it, energy mm. no i completely agree and this is a really strange question but what about when you sleep this sounds crazy but like some people might be a if they're fortunate enough to i don't know start work later they may be a go to bed at 2am wake up at 11am type thing like I know my brother for example he'll go to bed at like 1, 2 and wake up at like 11 and I'm like that surely that's not right like the time of when you sleep should surely has an impact yeah so interestingly enough perfect time really I actually read a study last week and they were saying the hours before midnight are your best quality hours of sleep so for example, my day-to-day routine, my lights are out by 10, uh, usually kind of 9.45, 9.30. I'm kind of dialing down uh, and then my alarm goes at 6.30. I know that I will perform best on that sleep duration than any other sleep duration. Mm-hmm. Maybe if I pushed it to nine, I'd perform even better, but apparently, I don't know if it's factually correct, it was, it was an interesting read, but on a personal level, the hours before midnight, if I get to sleep at, and sleep from kind of 10 to 6.37, I feel 10x better than if I do from midnight to 8, 9 o'clock. Mm. You said it's a generational thing. Do you think that we are, get, as a generation, we're better at kind of sleep than, let's say, our parents? It's an interesting question because I look at a couple of my clients and they, some nights, will have five, six hours sleep, whatever it might be. And they perform like absolute animals. Mm. And they never moan and they never complain. So I can't really give, again, a 100% answer there because I think, do we sleep for 
the recovery element. So like I do, it's recovery performance. But do, are some people just obsessed with lying in bed in the morning as yeah, well? Yeah, it's strange. You know? Like my parents are always like, God, you go to bed so early. I mean, I don't go to bed that early. Like I probably go to bed at similar to you. Like I'm in bed by 10, probably go to bed at 10.30. My mum and dad will probably be up until half 11. Like, and I'm like, that's late. But I think as a generation, we are, we have access to a lot more information. And I think we're learning a lot more about the science of sleep and nutrition and fitness and so I guess maybe we're more kind of geeked out in that kind of area I'm not sure but as a trainer do you say that you're kind of more tailored to men than to women or do you kind of focus on both so I do train both but naturally in terms of if someone asked me on a personal training level one-to-one do I probably enjoy training more I probably would say men Mm only being because I can relate better so it's nothing to do with the emotions it's nothing to do with the way someone looks physically or the way they perform an exercise it's all to do with how I can relate so when I get a lad in his 20s who comes into the gym and they're not feeling confident in their body I've been there so on a personal level I get what it feels like to feel you know very skinny and very unconfident and insecure and I feel like I can just help them more. Mm. But, you know, I've, I've started training this uh, girl this year. She started training with me on like January the 5th. And she's now near enough 15 kg down. Wow. And she's on. But I, as she came into the studio, I said, what's the goal? If she just said, I want to look like this in three months. I said, I can't train you. Mm. She said, I want to be feeling confident on Bondi Beach in December. So that's an 11 month goal. And that's why I took on and she's absolutely smashing it. So in terms of the satisfaction of results, exactly the same. But in terms of personal preference, it's only because I feel I can relate, not because, you know, I enjoy being the presence of the lads. Mm. That makes a lot of sense, though, because, like, your mentality is the same as the guys. Like, you can talk about what they're talking. It makes sense. But obviously you can do both. But, yeah, it makes sense. So what are, like, the myths that you always hear about the fitness training world and what do people come in and speak to you about that you're like god like why do everyone why does everyone always think this there are so many yeah (laughs) but i think the one that really stands out for me is there's a special type of diet to lose weight when everyone knows of course it is a calorie deficit you can intermittent fast and you can have your lunch at one all you're doing is shortening your calorie window so instinctively you eat less you can have a vegan diet, you can have um, an Atkins diet, whatever diet you have, there's no optimal diet. I think that's the real thing that stands out for me. Mm, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, people, I've never been a diet person, like I just have what I eat and I'm I'm probably quite controlling as a person. Like I control a lot of elements of my life, like I do everything as we've already spoken, like I edit the podcast edit the video I think this probably comes from a control point of view and perspective and similar to my diet like I'm very like I don't snack I do this I do that but I've never been like a diet person like I don't do this and then go back to normal and do that and go back to normal and I think that's key like all these perfect diets different diets keto this and the other like it's just not sustainable like you've got to find a diet that works for you and whatever that is is great but just do it all the time look if a keto diet works for you and you enjoy it and you feel great doing it go for it yeah but it's not the be all and end all and it's not more optimal 
for losing weight yeah no for sure i think ultimately losing weight is deficit and it's just maths like that's it it is that yeah it's and also i think a lot of the time i find a mistake people will make is they'll do their workout they'll do their diet but then they don't move other than that you actually funny enough you burn 10 to 20 percent of the calories you burn daily in your in the gym and just from moving around and doing else whatever else you burn 30 to 40 percent and people completely forget that so from a weight loss perspective your kind of exercise routine is of course important but actually the movement and how you behave outside of the gym is from a weight loss perspective arguably just as important if not more yeah so interesting i want to touch on your podcast because that's really exciting as well um what made you start a podcast that's a very good question i think uh, a couple of reasons I would say I just really wanted to do it and that's I guess the straightest answer but I also wanted to find a way that I could give people more value and by doing that if I interview people who I see as winners so the, the theme of the podcast is on winning and every individual I invite on the podcast I very much see as a winner so I want to give people an insight into the winner's mindset and I've learned so much, and I'm sure you have as well, on a personal level, more than I ever thought I would, from just people I look at as I go, you're a winner, I want to know from you. And I just, I just, you know, I'm sure like yourself, you just encourage people to listen because you learn so much. Yeah. And it's free. I know, it's a joke. It's amazing. But I bet you have people who sit down and they're like, yeah, but I'm not a winner. Oh, yes. Is that like the most common... My favourite answer is when someone owns it and goes, I'm a winner because. Yeah. The people who come on and go, I'm not a winner yet, or I'm not a winner, I then go, but tell me, I think you're a winner, so why are you a winner? Yeah. And then the conversation goes, you know, really well from there. Yeah, I know, it's so interesting. And it is great to give more value in that sense. And like, I'm sure you talk about kind of fitness and goals and as a part of your conversation. And everyone has their own journey in that like my aim here is food like obviously we've kind of gone off on loads of different other topics but like my whole thing is about food and diet and everyone eats so that's really great but similar to you like everyone moves yeah exactly but with the podcast as well you know the theme is on winning but the only question around winning is the first one because everything else you get out of the podcast is how people have overcome adversity how people have you know dealt with struggles that they've had in life um, how they've grown their business. Those are all winning mentalities. So as long as you kind of keep a theme of, I guess, the impact, whatever you're trying to do is a positive one, mm. then that's the main thing, right? Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned how the podcast brings value. I feel like value is a massive thing for you, like all through your socials, everything you do is about bringing value to the people who follow you. How important is that for you? And like, how do you do it? Obviously the podcast, but like how else? Yeah, so interestingly enough, you say that recently I kind of sat down and I looked at my social media and I looked at my podcast and I was getting these serious conversations uh, and I had uh, Bradley Simmons on the podcast who had an amazing conversation and the feedback, it was the first podcast that really, I was like, wow, like this people are actually saying this. And one guy goes... Angus, I didn't know you had that in you. It was just a message on Instagram. And I went, what do you mean? And he goes, well, 
you know, I just kind of thought you were this like funny fitness guy. But it's a, you've done this amazing podcast and I loved it. And you, you know, you gave so much value. And I know he was trying to be nice. And if he's listening to this, great. But it really hit me. And I then looked through my page and I was like, I don't want to be known as the funny fitness guy. I want to, I want people to know how much value I can give them. And I always say to people, you don't need to take what I say as gospel, but in my life right now, I'm extremely happy. I'm extremely motivated. I've got amazing people around me. So everything I say, like if you take it, it'll be useful to you. And with, um, you know, going back to what that guy said, I then decided, right, I'm going to just focus on socials on just giving people value. So recently I've hired this video editor who helps put my posts together. And he's amazing. Shout out to Carl if he's listening to this. <laughs> and that I feel already is having a positive impact on not only kind of the traction I'm getting on my page, but also how I feel about myself and my brand. Mm. And also the impact it has on the podcast. Because I want to be taken seriously. And I'm sure like you do too. And if you're constantly posting the funny stuff, yes, it gets engagement. But it doesn't necessarily get the quality engagement that you want. And now I'm kind of let's call it reinventing my business a little bit because I hand on heart know how much value I can give someone. And I think the, only, the best way to do that is just by making things just a little bit more serious, mm. but still showing your personality. Of yeah, of course. I also feel like, you know, Instagram is changing as well. And like people use it for learning and research and like they want to gain information from it. That you're not just, you know, TikTok is very much quick scroll, quick snippets of entertainment <laughs> i know i know it's an interesting on the one. sofa it's just you lose hours oh, the other day i so you sat there and it was like orcas and i'm like why am i an orca TikTok? Yeah, like, how it was this... fascinating how, have I how, how orcas hunt is fascinating but i'm like get a life angus yeah like how have i done this this is mental but yeah i feel like instagram is definitely like more value driven and you hear that a lot now like how can you create value for your followers and stuff i think it's huge and i think on a personal level what i've learned through the people that i look up to on social media and who i follow has been far more of an impact than school for example oh god a hundred percent like i've learned more in this year and a half of rudy vegan and podcast than i have in my entire life hands down like yeah i think for two reasons one you're looking at people who have that success that you might want but also the the other reason being that you are so not only inspired by these people but you're very passionate about what you do and i think if you're following people and you're listening to people where you genuinely have a passion for you're just more engaged Mm. and for me the classroom I wasn't you know I'll take my football club for example I could tell you who scored in every game for the last 100 games I couldn't remember any anything school because I had no passion behind it yeah I think for those two reasons the inspiration of these individuals because they have success that you want with a podcast whatever it might be but also as soon as you have a bit of passion behind it for me my brain just switches and goes mm. we're engaged yeah but also at school you're handheld through everything like if you're not listening you're told to listen like if you're late you get told off like you're 
you're controlled through everything. Whereas when you're out there doing something for your own business, like it's you or you. Like if you're not gonna put these lessons into practice, you're not gonna get there. So you actually have to do something for Like you learn so much about what actually works, what doesn't work, whereas at school or uni or whatever, it's like, oh, if I don't do it, like, and what? Yeah, you know? I, I massively think the, personally, the school education system is extremely dated. I'm mm. quite passionate about that. I'm not a fan of university. A lot of people are fine. I, I don't buy into this experience element. Yeah, I agree. And that's a personal opinion. I'm not saying I'm right, but the people who've been in very similar backgrounds to both we have, the ones who haven't gone to university, I'm not saying you know there are people who have gone to university who have succeeded, but for me, a lot of the people who haven't gone to university and have just really got stuck into life are much further ahead than a lot of those that did go to university. I agree. I also just, as I said, I don't buy into this experience of getting pissed four or five times a week and you're surrounding yourself personally if you're looking to develop success, arguably the wrong people. Because if you're getting drunk four or five times a week and so are other people, you'll do it. That quickly goes to drugs. And how many horror stories have you heard at university when it comes to drug use and how casual yeah. drug use is at university. It's terrifying. It's, it's terrifying. I'm terrified for eventually when I have kids. I know. It is so scary. It's just like the norm. Like it's it's, it's ridiculous. Nuts. It is like nuts. How casually and then it's the the adamantation of these people that I'll I'll see even going out around here. I'm not addicted. You do cocaine every mm. weekend, Friday and Saturday yeah. night. Oh yeah, but I could stop if I wanted to. Stop. Well, no, you know, but I'm not addicted. Yes, you are. Yeah, you are. It is scary. And uni is like, it's so slow. Like, I went to uni and I did three years and I could have done it in one. I basically left as soon as possible and I was kind of working alongside anyway. And it's just like, life's too short to be wasting three years doing something you could actually do in one year. Mm. Like, it's just terrifying. And then you have to like, you sleep in, you get up and drink, and there's drugs, and there's like laziness, and there's just like lounging around doing nothing. It's like, what what are we promoting here? And let's also have the debt element that comes with it. Yeah. And then like, yeah, and you're just wasting money. It's just mad. Uh, yeah, I agree, it's it's so wrong. And if you wanna be a lawyer or a doctor, So get it. Th- th- that was my, my next point, adding on to that. Look, if you want to do something like be a doctor, be a lawyer, whatever it might be in a field like that, and of course go to university because you need the qualifications but if that's not your path and you have a passion for something or you know you just feel like you don't have to go to uni great i think again the problem is at school as well is very forced upon us i don't know what it was like for you but let's do ucas forms i was one of the only kids in my year to say no mm. i just said i'm not doing it this is why i said i'm not going to university and i was one of the very few who just kind of Stood strong. Part of, part of me feels grateful for how I behaved at school, actually, because yeah. I was very stubborn. And I would happily tell the teachers no. Uh, but, yeah, it's paid off. How was it taken, like, amongst Shot. family and teachers? I don't know, family, dad's been... Dad hated... I think he briefly went to uni for a couple of months and was like, this is ridiculous. Fine. Uh, but he... I don't know. Maybe he did, like, a business course. I don't think he went to uni... But he's just like, if you don't want to go, don't go. Yeah. 
and for him he's again he has quite a similar stance to me mm. unless you need to go it's just for me it's just I don't get it I agree I mean I I went and I got there and I enjoyed it and then I, my first year I, I loved and then I kind of sat there and I was like well if now I'm here I need to just smash it and leave and that's kind of what I did like I went to Brooks so it's not like I went to like Oxford um and I did a business and media course I wasn't a lawyer I wasn't a doctor but I walked out of there with a first and I'm done and like I worked hard for it and at the end of the day it's business and media like it's you know it's wasn't the hardest degree out there but like it's just not that necessary and yeah I've, I've learned you know I've made great friends from it and like I've maybe a lot of what I'm doing now maybe I have learned who knows but yeah I just don't I don't think it's and I just personally as well don't feel it sets you up very well for the real world anymore mm. because particularly as our generations I find become more and more divided I believe that particularly university you're surrounding yourself with people who all have the same views and that's not good for you no what I found from not going to university is you know I was this 19 year old who was training at a gym full of 25 plus year olds and I was surrounding myself with people whose businesses I wanted to be in so I would shamelessly just go and ask them questions but also know that I had to kind of behave in a more appropriate manner if I wanted to get respected by these guys. Mm. And for me, the value of that was huge. Yeah, definitely. And like you're building up your personal brand, I guess, from the get-go, whereas everyone else is kind of just dwindling around, like wasting kind of time. And holding each other back. And holding each other back, yeah. I think you all have found it when starting this podcast, I still get it today. The negative comments mm. they're made yeah and you know people will say them behind your back but my view is, is you will only get shit from people below you yeah and the people who are talking about you i always go well how's your podcast doing yeah they don't have one no anyone above you i'm sure you've had you know you've had some a couple of great podcast hosts on already i bet they didn't give you any criticism whatsoever no if anything they probably just gave you some sound advice yeah. So yeah, a saying for life is you only get shit from people below you. No, I love that. I haven't heard that before. That's good. I also think quickly touching back on Instagram, like you mentioned how you looked at your page and like you wanted to create value and you wanted to kind of like redefine it a bit. I think it's really interesting because I had something similar where I looked at my personal account and I was like, this reflects nothing of who I am anymore. Like this like glimpses of parts of my year where I'm on holiday and with friends and all of that. But like the rest of the 90% of my year is podcasting, greedy vegan, food. Where is that? Where is that? And I feel like we've now kind of transitioned from a world of like, you know, really perfected life to like more raw and real. And I think that's really nice and refreshing. But I think I've now kind of started like putting my podcast on my personal page and like really transitioning into like being more open and real, which at first I was like, oh my God, this is going to be really strange for people to see and it's not as aesthetically pleasing and all of this, but actually it's just not, yeah, it's just not real. So um, yeah, I think your transition and stuff into making it more value-driven and is is really good. So we final, uh, my final question is always, what's your last meal? So starter, main course and dessert. That's a great last question. If 
I could have a last meal. <laughs> this is Shane's. It would be a Five Guys burger. Yeah. What for starter? Oh, starter. Gosh. I mean, that could be a good starter. No. I've got to really have to think about that. Then. Yeah. Um, starter side of things. What would I have before my Five Guys burger? Probably some calamari. Big okay, calamari yeah. Burger. Good one. Then I go on to my Five, bu- five Guys burger with fries. And then to finish, I don't know if you've ever been to Pizza Hut. Maybe, I don't know how long you've been vegan for, but maybe before Maybe, yeah, vegan. before then. Um, they do the most amazing, they also do it in Megan's as well, actually. Um, there's amazing, like, warm cookie dough with, like, oh, chocolate yeah. underneath. That would be my dessert. That's a good one. That is a really good one. Angus, thank you so much for coming on. I feel like we've, like, touched on so many amazing topics. So, yeah, thank you so much. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening and I really hope you enjoyed the episode. Just a quick note from me, my aim for this podcast is to get a videographer to help film the episodes for me in order to be able to upload the whole video onto YouTube and really take the podcast to the next level. In order to do this, I need some help from you. So if you could please click the follow button wherever you're listening to this podcast and help me spread the word, send it to a friend, post it on social media, whatever you do, it makes a huge difference to spreading the word about this podcast. And that in turn helps me take this podcast to the next level. So thank you so much in advance for all the support and I'll see you again next week. (laughs) 